So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media? Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. This is Happiness Solved with America's Happiness Coach, Sandy Scarlatta. Hello, and thank you for joining us today. I'm so happy you're here. Happiness Solved is the place where we explore everything you need to become the best possible version of you. This is Sandy Scarlatta, and today I've got some exciting news for our dedicated listeners. We've just launched our exclusive members-only portal. This is your ticket to a world of additional content designed to deepen your understanding and engagement with the Happiness Solved mission. To learn more about all of the exciting benefits, stay tuned until the end of the episode where I will explain in greater detail. For those interested now, head over to happinesssolved.supercast.com. Today is another amazing conversation, so let's get started. Dr. Joe Parent, it's such a pleasure and an honor to have you here today. How are you? I'm great. Uh, it's so nice to be here and nice to meet you, Sandy. Yeah, and I love the, your background. So if you get a chance to watch this on YouTube, that, that, is, that is Dr. Joe's real background. That's behind him. And it almost looks like you can see like the full moon or something right there. Yes, th- this is not the, uh, this is a picture of the town where I live, which is Ojai. It's okay. The, it's the mountains and it's the moon early in the evening in, in, uh, in Ojai, California. It's gorgeous. Absolutely okay. gorgeous. Yeah. All right. So for the audience, Dr. Joe Parent is a best-selling author of Zen Golf, Mastering the Mental Game, Zen Tennis, Playing in the Zone, the best book ever, The Zen of Losing Weight, and A Walk in the Wood, Meditations on Mindfulness with a Bear Named Pooh, and you're a performance psychology and applied mindfulness expert. And I love that you coach athletes, actors, artists, executives, and consults with businesses. And uh, what a great, great profession to be in. Well, thank you so much. You know, uh, when we talk about performance psychology, it just applies to, uh, you know, to actual performances that athletes and artists, performing artists have. But it's also the performance of leading a meeting, uh, of giving a talk to a group, a business group. Uh, And then it's how we perform everything that we do in our lives. And what we want to do with mindfulness practice is become an artist of everyday life so that Mm -hmm. we live artfully, we live creatively, uh, we live um, fully experiencing the present. And basically my message, what I do for uh, anybody in any field is I help you get out of your own way to get the most out of your abilities. Mm, I love that. So we're going to talk more about this because 
you do a lot of the same things that that I'm doing. It's just, I don't have a PhD, but I want to hear your story. Cause I, I love to know like how you got to where you are today. I'm guessing you play golf and tennis, just guessing if you wrote a book about that, but so, so how did you get to where you are today? And, and what is that thing that drives you? Well, let's go back many decades. I was always interested in the bigger picture. And so uh, I, I was interested in different kinds of spirituality in, as a teenager. I would go to my friends' churches. Uh, when the, the, uh, uh, the Mormon missionaries knocked on the door, we invited them in. I wanted to learn about all, all these different things, kind of the, the big picture, not just, not just body, not just mind and body, but mind, body, and spirit. Right. Um, I was, uh, I went to college um, basically in the field that my father was in, which is engineering. And then at a certain point, I kind of had a conversation with myself and I said, well, what do you really want to do? I, I don't really want to be like my father. And, and I said, what am I really interested in? And I'm interested in why I do the crazy things I do and other people do the crazy things they do. And I knew it, I didn't mean crazy, crazy, just right. self-defeating things that we right. And I right. said, well, that sounds like psychology. So maybe I should go over and major in psychology. I actually had that conversation with myself and immediately changed colleges. I was at Cornell and, and you had to go to a different college from engineering to the college where the arts and sciences where psychology was. Uh, my parents weren't that thrilled, but that's what I wanted to do. So that became my uh, uh, direction to understand myself, to understand others, and try to um, be a happier and better person and help others be happier and better people. Uh, not long after that, I guess after my sophomore year, that was the start of my sophomore year, about a year later, I encountered some of the teachings of Buddhism. A friend of mine, uh, this will betray the language of the late 60s, uh, we, were, we were rapping about the meaning of life and he said, I, I got this cool book and I said, lay it on me. So that's our, <laughs> that's our old hippie language. Um, and as I was reading it, I was going, well, that makes sense, that makes sense. Uh, already think that, already think that, that makes sense, that makes sense. And I finished the book and I said, huh, I'm a Buddhist. I'm already a Buddhist and I didn't even know it. <laughs> so I brought Buddhism and Western psychology together. And that's really where everything that I teach comes from. The uh, Eastern wisdom uh, understanding of mind and the Western psychology understanding of mind merged together. Mm, I love it. I love it. So I'm a retired U.S. national and international figure skating coach. And I've been a life coach, certified life coach since 2004. I have a gold medal in ice dancing. And so I am always love talking to anybody that is an athlete, you know, has a book for athletes, whatnot. Um, so for me, what would, you know, I never even considered working with athletes on their mindset because I don't know. I just, I think I had this limiting belief that you had to be a sports psychologist, right? In order to 
to work with athletes, but I ended up getting recruited by a local international training facility and I'm working with some of their ice dancing teams. And it is just the most rewarding thing I've ever done. Especially when like two days ago, one of my clients, their moms are, they're 12 and 15. They just competed at nationals, um, at their level and they got second place and they're like, thank you, Sandy. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, they got second place. You know, that's awesome. Isn't that exciting? It is. It's so incredible. So, so I, I love, I couldn't wait for this conversation because, you know, just Zen of golf. Yeah. Okay. I'm a tennis player. So the Zen of tennis, I'm like, Ooh, but what was it? So I'm guessing you played both of those sports, obviously, mm -hmm. right? You're, you're in Southern California. So that's a perfect place because you can play tennis year round. Unlike me in Northern Virginia, I can't play tennis outdoors year round. So why was it that you wanted to put these books out? Like, what was it about mastering that mental game that with, you know, with golf mm -hmm. and then playing in the zone with tennis? Right. And those are, you just mentioned the subtitle Zen Golf. The subtitle is Mastering the Mental Game and Zen Tennis is playing in the zone. Uh, but before that, I want to pay homage to two athletes that were my favorites years and years ago, Torval and Dean. Oh, the greatest ice dancing pairs from Britain. Yes, I, I loved watching them in the Olympics. So I really do appreciate what you do. And, and oh, and thank you. And, and just real quick, to shout out to my one of my best friends on the planet, Daphne Dolph, Dolphne, it's her name. I forget what her her name was, uh, her maiden name. But she and her partner were ice dancers. They competed with Torville and Dean in Great Britain, and they never really made it to the Olympics because of Torville and Dean. That's right, yes. But she was, they were always second to Torville and Dean, and so, small, yeah. Small world. Well, yeah. you yeah. are a performance coach. If you're a life coach, you're a performance coach. That's right. And and uh, coaching the skaters and ice dancers. Uh, the, uh, the books came out of, uh, my work in golf, particularly, one of my uh, closest Buddhist teachers took up the game late in life. Mm -hmm. So we became very close and played a lot of golf together. Uh, I, I played all sports, you know, uh, football, wrestling, track, tennis, baseball, and golf was the only unorganized sport during the, that I played during the summer. But, but when we would play, we'd talk about how mindfulness, how meditation, how awareness connects with golf. Mm. And, it, and, and it really spurred me on. Uh, and I met a, a, a young man at one of the Buddhist programs I was teaching on Buddhist psychology that was going to become an assistant pro. We went on the golf course. And he said, tell me what my mind is doing when I'm playing golf. I said, I'll tell you what your mind is doing. Uh, you tell me what my body is doing. And we became a team where he would teach the physical game and I would teach the mental game. And we, uh, he, he set up his business, invited me to do clinics together. And then at a certain point, um, people were saying, well, we want, we want to do more of this uh, mental game of golf. So I started teaching that on my own and writing some articles uh, and a, a literary agent 
uh, met me and said, this is really, really, she said, Buddhism and golf, that's really hot. And so she was able to help me write a proposal and, and Doubleday published Zen Golf over 20 years ago. Oh, wow. Still doing well because it was written to be evergreen, which means right. it never goes out of, I didn't put, I didn't put a lot of dates and stories from particular incidents, mm -hmm. but the mind doesn't change. That's right. We work with the mind. And again, for, for Zen Golf, what I presented and I present this in Zen Tennis too, how you prepare for what you're going to do, how you perform with as much presence and commitment as you can, and then how do you respond to the results so that you learn from what you did so that your performance next time improves? And they call that Kaizen or the path of continuous improvement. Mm -hmm. So to start with, when you approach anything, look at the dimensions of clarity, commitment, and composure. I call mm. the, three, the three C's. Three C's, yeah. Okay. Do I have a clear picture of what I do want to accomplish, or am I worried about what could go wrong? Focus mm. on what you do want to accomplish. Do I have commitment to that, or do I have second thoughts? Clear away the doubts. And if you can't clear away the doubts, you better make a different plan that you can commit to. Right. You know, uh, like if you're training the the uh, ice skaters and there's a jump that they just are too afraid of, you say, let's not put that in the routine until you believe in yourselves. That's right. Okay. And the last is composure. And we work with the breathing a lot. So if people are listening to or watching, they can do this along with me. Take a full breath in through, and you want to breathe mainly in through your nose, if unless you have uh, sinus problems like some somebody I know. Um, <laughs> but you and and if you breathe out, it can come out both your mouth and your nose. But breathe in through your nose, and take a full breath in, and then slowly let it out and let yourself sink down and feel the chair or the ground underneath you. And do it again, full breath in. And as you breathe out, drop down, drop your awareness down, deep into your core, feel the, the ground or the seat beneath you. Notice how quiet your mind got. Yeah. And you move out of your head and into your body. And that's composure. Present, mind not drifting off into the past or future or someplace else, but fully present to your experience, which is the definition of Zen action with awareness fully present to the moment mm. so you use your breathing to anchor you in that and that's your preparation and then from there you can perform and let your talent shine stay out of your own way and get the most out of your abilities and afterward you reflect you reflect on how fully was i committed did I re was I really ready and composed before I started? Did I have a clear picture of what I was trying to accomplish? And then you set your intentions to improve on the next one. So for golf, I call that preparation, action, and response to results, or the PAR system. Oh, tennis, yeah. For tennis, you plan, you perform, and then you reset. Yeah. It, it 
it's all the same. And you do that in any any performance that you do has a beginning, a middle, the you know your preparation, your performance, and then how you learn from that. Right. That's what, that's what we want to do. The key is people usually think I've got these problems and I need to become a better person to accomplish what I want to accomplish. It's really the other way around. You're already a good person. You already have a certain level of talent and ability. Mm -hmm. You need to get out of your own way and remove the excess. Can I tell a little story that's kind of oh. the signature story of Zen golf? Please, yeah. And I, I can make this a, a young boy or a young girl for you. Let's make it a young girl. Uh, she uh, had a statue, a little clay statue that was a family heirloom. And she loved that little statue, but she always wished that it was made of gold. And so when she earned some money doing little jobs, uh, she saved her money until she could go to a jewelry store and get her statue gold plated. Now she had a beautiful little gold statue. Everybody was complimented her on it, but, but gold doesn't stick to clay. Gold, gold leaf or gold plate doesn't stick to clay very well. So she had, it kept, it kept rubbing off and she had to use all her time and energy to keep earning money to, to repair the facade of her gold statue. Mm. One day her grandmother came back, came from a, a, a trip of many, uh, she was away for a long, long time. And the little girl was excited about showing the statue, but embarrassed saying, and I'm going to get it fixed because there was, there were splotches of clay showing through. And the grandmother took the statue lovingly and, and moistened her handkerchief, you know, and, and rubbed a little where the clay was showing through. And, and where she rubbed the clay away, a bright yellow color shined. And she said, look here, you never had to cover your statue in gold. You just needed to remove the clay to reveal the solid gold statue that you possessed all along. Wow. Yeah. A little teary when I tell the story, because the point is, that's who we are. Right. Our nature, we're the gold. We've just been covered up with things that people have told us that that have made us feel diminished with things that uh, the the failures that we had that we were embarrassed about and covered over that and so instead of trying to add more on to who we are we just need to remove the the excess and reveal that solid gold that that is our heart already Mm, what a beautiful story. I love that. I love that story. Now, All right. Here's a little nugget for your for your audience. Okay. okay. Every, uh, and, and when I teach my students uh, in their performance, I say, you see, you're thinking all about this technique technique stuff instead of trusting that you already know it. So instead of just going in and trusting your instincts, you keep adding more thoughts on to what you're doing and and you keep adding more on and and i call that moron performance because <laughs> you keep adding more on if you just get out of the way and let your talent shine through that's when you're going to perform your best the, the sun it's another metaphor the sun is always shining you don't have to create a new sun just part the clouds part the clouds 
of doubt and lack of commitment, and you will perform like the sun is shining. Mm. Love it. You have, you've already dropped so many golden nuggets today. So thank you. I really appreciate that because you, as I told you before we started recording, that's that's my goal here is to to give the audience as much great stuff that they can apply right now. So here's the interesting thing. When, because when I analyze my own behavior, because I'm a very high performer, high achiever, which is, you know, has served me well in life. However, the issue with that is I, that when you're a high performer, high achiever, you tend to be really hard on yourself, mm -hmm. right? Because it's never enough, never enough. Nope, got to do more, got to do more. So why is it, like, is, is there anything, and, and this is going to tap into your psychology PhD, is there something in there that that we all possess that make make makes us or where we allow ourselves to to do that or is it really just the ego that everybody has and it's just part of our dna i just want to get your take on it um it's not part of our dna it's the ego that uh the ego centered ideas okay that everybody has developed ego is a funny word yeah, because we 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 do have individuality. It's the self-centeredness and the preoccupation with how am I doing according to some standard that I've set for myself? Mm -hmm. How am I doing according to the standard that I imagine others have for me? And all of that is adding more on to to simply to the so basically simple, you're telling me I'm a moron, right? <laughs> to the simple situation that we're that we're facing. So here's here's a little nugget take your sport or whatever your your business whatever endeavor you you're uh, engaged in take that seriously but don't take yourself so seriously right and have a sense of humor about the fact that we are all striving to be perfect and that that's impossible to reach Right. <laughs> See, the perfectionism has a, is a two-edged sword. It motivates you, and we want to use that to become better. But we don't want to use it to punish ourselves. Right. So, so um, I've, I've got a little exercise for you. Okay. Okay. Think of your, think of your best friend. Okay. And and she made a mistake, mm -hmm. and is feeling bad about the fact that she did that. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you want to be supportive. Right. So, so let's do Daphne, okay? Daphne, yes. <laughs> Your friend. And, and say, okay, and, and say, that's okay, Daphne. Everybody makes mistakes. Right. Go ahead and say that. Yeah, that's okay, Daphne. Everybody makes mistakes. Great. Now you're going to say the same sentence, but we're going to put the name Sandy in there. Yeah. It's okay, Sandy. Everybody makes mistakes. That was a little harder, <laughs> wasn't it? <laughs> you see, that's the, and, and so. You're like, and I almost want to be like, it's okay, Sandra. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That, yeah, no, so, yeah. So isn't that interesting? So we, we, we can just be aware of what, how we, it's just being aware. It's being mindful of it. Right. And understanding, I don't want to treat myself that way. It doesn't benefit us. Right. We think we think you know we learned when we were little kids, our parents in in all their with all their good intentions, when we did something wrong, they would scold us or punish us. 
And so we learned, oh, if I make a mistake, I should be punished because that's for my own good. Well, guess what? When our parents aren't there, guess what we do? We take on the job. Right. And sometimes we do such a good job that our parents would be very proud of us for how much we punish ourselves when we make a mistake. We don't need to do that. It's not our voice. It's right. their voice. Mm. So, so be kinder to yourself. Make friends with yourself. Accept your successes and your shortcomings and say, I accept it. That doesn't mean I can't change. But if I don't accept it, I won't change. Right. Yeah. Ah, oh, love that. And I, I usually tell people, like when I'm doing a session on on this same type of topic, you know, talk to yourself like you you would talk to a child that's upset, right? With kindness. And it's just it's easier said than done sometimes, Doctor Joe. But <laughs> as we just because experienced, that's right. Yeah, and I, like you would your best friend. Absolutely, absolutely, and accepting. And what I find for me is is it's just a matter of I I have to catch myself in the moment, right? Exactly. And I catch myself in the moment, and and what I found. Um, I would notice when I was waiting for my coffee was dripping out of the Keurig, be like, okay, I didn't do this yesterday. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. And I, and I was like, stop. Wow. Look what you did do yesterday. And I start, and I start doing that more and more. And so, you know, we, we sometimes do revert back into old behaviors and that's okay. And then you just, you just become aware of it and recognize it and focus on all the things I did do well and what I did get accomplished. And that kind of helps me to, shift that dialogue a little bit well this is what yeah. i wanted to present in uh, the book a walk in the wood meditations on mindfulness with a bear named Pooh. yeah and also on my diet book um i just had some fun with it i called it the best diet book ever because i wanted people to, when they google if they if they do a search for best diet book well it's going to come up because that's the title but the real it's the zen of losing weight and so for both of those uh, and particularly for the, the Winnie the Pooh book, it's for families and it's for parents and children to read together to learn how to be confident, to be curious, be more curious than afraid, to be kind to each other and to learn how to be kind to oneself right. so, so that uh, you can be your own best friend and learn and grow in that way. So, mm -hmm. uh, I, you know, I've, it, it's, we've gotten such good feedback because people love Winnie the Pooh and 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 my sister and I wrote it together. Aww. With stories, new stories of Winnie the Pooh and, inter, and then after each story, I give instruction on mindfulness and uh, um, the practice of perception in nature, developing gratitude, developing confidence, all of these values that we all want to grow uh, as a family together. Mm, that's beautiful. I love that. I love that. So I wanted to talk a little bit about tennis, just just real quick, just because, and, and most of my listeners know, and all my friends, of course, I'm obsessed with tennis. I didn't start playing until six years ago. I sort of put the hopes aside of ever making it to Wimbledon, but you know, who knows, right? Now that's just, I just like, I love to joke about it. 
<laughs> but, but I tell you, if there was a way, if, if I'm 58 years old, so if there was a way a 58-year-old could play in Wimbledon, I would figure it out and I would try to do it. But what I love about tennis, other than the fact it's so much fun to watch and it's just, oh, you know, to watch some of these amazing plays, you know, they just had the the men's, you know, final on and, and watching the, you know, Djokovic just, oh my gosh, it's just he's like superhuman. But here's the thing, and I and I use this example a lot with my clients, and that's why why you said with tennis, you had two things, but the last one was reset. I forget the first two, but the last one was reset, and that's the thing about tennis that I love is the big because at the end of every point, you have to reset, mm -hmm. and it's so hard to do. And you see these guys doing it out there. It's even harder to put it into practice when you're an amateur thinking that you could be a pro someday, right? Which is how my mind works. But um, what is it when you, with, with the tennis players, because, you, you know, you look at somebody like Novak Djokovic, okay? And it was last year, I believe it was, I believe it was in the French Open, but I could be wrong. He was, he lost the first two sets. He took a bathroom break, came back and won the next three and won the Grand Slam title. I believe it was, I believe it was the final. Could be wrong. The announcer afterwards said, okay, so you took a bathroom break. You know, what did, what did you do? And he goes, well, I did have to relieve myself, but I, I had to have a conversation with myself. I looked in the mirror and I had to have a conversation with myself. I knew it was going to be look in the mirror. So here's what I want to know. Like if someone like Novak Djokovic, which, you know, arguably, I think could go down as the greatest athlete of all time, considering the travel, the length of the season, what he's accomplished, you know, all of that stuff. Yes. How is it that our minds, that someone like Novak Djokovic has to take a break and look himself in the mirror and give himself a pep talk so that he can get back out there and win? Sometimes, especially when we are um, performing well, Mm -hmm. we take our process for granted okay and get a little sloppy mm -hmm. we lose focus we sometimes get ahead of ourselves at, at whatever level you know i i remember uh one uh one master's tournament where jack nicholas was in the lead and he was walking up the fairway and he started thinking about um what his acceptance speech was going to be and he actually he, he actually gave himself a little little slap on the cheek and said wake up jack there's still more golf to be played that's right <laughs> so, so 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 there's a couple more shots to hit so um uh those things happen to everybody at at every level uh the skill is to know that these things happen and to catch it like Jack did and wake wake up a little wake up call and right. sometimes great athletes who are kind of coasting and don't even realize they're coasting when the other person gets ahead or they start falling behind their their the level that they uh you know their their time or their their score on their uh, their performance they go wait a minute i need to up my game mm -hmm. 
right and increase the focus and increase the intensity and really tune into my process and, and so yes it happens at at all levels and the key is to recognize it and then the resetting goes back to what i was saying resetting is not fixing something that's gone wrong because otherwise you start fixing one thing and then you yep. start fixing another and you keep adding more fixes on and that's adding more on so what we want to do is say okay what's in the way here okay clear it out you know how to do this you're you're and and Djokovic may have I wasn't I wasn't in the bathroom at the time but he may <laughs> have he may have said hey you're playing to not make mistakes and just assuming that he's going to make enough mistakes and and you'll be fine start playing to win instead of not instead of and stop playing to not lose right big mind shifts reset big there mind shift. that's it yeah yeah because if you're playing to not lose it's a whole different energetic energy around playing to win yeah the prevent defense often prevents winning right right love it okay last thing i want to ask you about is the best diet book the mm -hmm. zen of losing weight did i say that correctly yes, right yep right. the zen of losing weight is there a zen of like there is and i'd like to know what is the zen of losing weight because i feel like well, the, the interesting thing is there, yeah. are no, there are no recipes okay no menus in it because everybody's so different right the real key is making friends with yourself mm. is first. Okay. So the second is um, being mindful of your choices and being mindful of your intention and your goals. But you have to do that within the context of being friendly to ourselves because we all slip. Yes, we do. And then within that, say, okay, so this is, uh, and, and basically, it's not revolutionary. Take less in, burn more up. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. So changing your habits. to, And so, so the, the key is tracking and noticing what you're doing, but setting your goals and setting reasonable, reachable goals. Right. If you, if you set a goal of losing 20 pounds, it's so far in the future, it's really not very workable. If you say, okay, uh, I'm going to lose two pounds in the next month. And then you track and, you, and you're aware of eating more, eating less. But it really started with, um, <laughs> I, just, I decided to lose some weight. And my teacher noticed that I'd lost some weight. And he said, how did you do it? And I said, um, it's called the say no diet. I just started saying no to seconds. Yeah. I just, I just stopped taking seconds. And then that developed into other habits. Okay, um, take a half a portion and then wait. Go to a restaurant, ask for the to-go box when the food is served and put half of your meal in the to-go box. Mm -hmm. Before, yeah. Don't, uh, okay. Because momentum eating happens. There are all these techniques in the book that are very simple and very painless 
to change the thing. If you use a slightly smaller plate, mm-hmm. you can fill that plate, and it would only it, you'd you'd have your big plate, and you go, well, that doesn't look like very much. You take a you take your salad plate and put your entree on it, and you go, wow, I can't fit it all on here. Well, this is great. It's all it's mental. It's all yeah. mental. So you change your habits in that way and um, and start to move little by little in that direction. Because you have to ask the question, can a mouse eat an elephant? Yeah, one bite at a time. Right, right. So be kind to yourself, accept where you are and what you do and notice your habits and pick ones that you can change and do a little bit less of so it's not punishing you. Well, and also I like the fact that, you know, you're, you're not going to, you're not going to become 10% better in one day in anything that you're doing. So, so, you know, I talk a lot with my clients about just, just shoot for 1%. If you can just be 1% better every day. Right. And the same is for losing weight. I love that. Okay. Let's just set a goal of losing two pounds in one month. And who knows, maybe you'll lose five. Right. And, and it's really nice because then that becomes the norm. Right. And you say, okay, so I've gone from 140 to 138. Great. Okay. So now if I'm, if I see the scale go to 141, I need to tighten things up a little bit. Yep. If I see it go to 137, well, now I can shift my shift my range. You see, you use a range. You don't have a specific one. You have a range that you're mm-hmm. going to move it. Someday, yes. you know, what's weird is you eat, you eat a lot of salty food on one day and you retain a lot of water and it looks like you gained weight. That's right. And you eat less the next day. And you, so, so our weight fluctuates, but have a range and just slide that range down little by little. Mm. So you get near the top of the range, yeah, you tighten things up a little bit. You get near the bottom of the range, yeah, you can relax a little bit. And then just slide it down little by little, but not not get punishing yourself if you go up. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know women especially are very hard on themselves, and um, but I know some men are as well, so. This has been such an amazing conversation and I could talk to you for for hours about all of this stuff, but is there anything else that you'd like to share with the audience before we finish up? I think that the, I think that the main thing goes back to being kind to yourself and, and seeing yourself as basically good with things that are covering that up mm. and not feeling like you need to add to be a better person, you need to clear the interference and let that great person that you are shine through. Mm. Beautifully said, Dr. Joe. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you to the audience. You can find out where to reach uh, Dr. Joe in the show notes and also follow him on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn as well. So thank you again. It's really been a pleasure. Wonderful talking with you, Sandy. Bye.
I hope you enjoyed today's conversation. And as promised, I'd like to give you more details of what you can expect as a member of the Happiness Solved exclusive community. First, you'll have access to a treasure trove of extra podcast episodes. These episodes dive deeper into the topics we discuss, featuring additional expert interviews only found here. But that's not all. As a member, you'll also get access to a series of mindset training sessions. These recordings are tailored to help you understand the how and why your mindset is the most important asset you have, empowering you to achieve your personal and professional goals. And for those of you looking to find a moment of peace in your busy lives, we've got something special, exclusive guided meditations. These sessions are crafted to help you relax, refocus, and recharge. Whether you're a meditation guru or just starting out, there's something here for everyone. Becoming a member is more than just accessing extra content. It's about joining a community of like-minded individuals, all on a journey to live life to its fullest and become the best possible version of you. So how can you join? It's simple. Go to happinesssolved.supercast.com and sign up. Don't miss out on this opportunity to deepen your journey with us. Again, that's happinesssolved.supercast.com. And it will also be in the show show notes. I am so grateful you're a part of our Happiness Solved family. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart for your continued support. Again, I am so grateful for you. And I hope that you and your family are healthy and safe. And that your lives are filled with peace, joy, and happiness. Take care, everyone.